Dhammo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sammasam Bhudassa Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. The unsurpassed, deep, profound, subtle, wonderful Dharma in a hundred thousand million eons is difficult to encounter. Now that I've come to receive and hold it, Within my sight and hearing, I bow to fathom the thus come one's true and actual meaning. Venerable Master and Dharma friends, welcome to our Sutra lecture. This is December 10th. We're here in Berkeley, California. We're looking into the Flower Garland Sutra, the Avatamsaka, the Huayanjing. And we're studying the Ten Grounds chapter. We've already moved into the third ground. And if you would please turn to the front cover of your text that's in front of you, we're going to recite the name of the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas here that are. <coughs> we do the Chinese and we'll chant it seven times. Uh... 
<coughs> I'll be uh, sniffing and snorting throughout the lecture. I've been working with uh, a cold this week. Apologies in advance. Please, if you will, turn to page 48, 49 in your text. to uh, start on the very top, the top paragraph on page 48. And we've actually read this before, but uh, we only got to point to it last week. We didn't get into it yet. So I'll give you the Chinese first, and, and please repeat after me. Bian zuo shi nian. Bian zuo shi nian. Yu du zhong sheng. Yu du zhong sheng. Ling zhu nie pan. Bully 无形无声，无形无声，横秽光，横秽光，无形无声，横秽光，无形无声，横秽光，不离禅善巧，不离禅善巧，决定观察智，决定观察智，禅善禅决，I'm sorry. This is a tongue twister. Chan shan chue jue ding. Let's see, let's do four. Shan chan. Caught me again. Chan shan chao. Chan shan chao. Jue ding guan cha zhi. Jue ding guan cha zhi. Bu li shan chao duo wen. Bu li shan chao duo wen. All right, over to the right here. Then he thinks. Then he thinks. The wish to take beings to nirvana. Is related to the unobstructed wisdom of liberation. Unobstructed wisdom of liberation is related to awakening to the reality of dharmas. Awakening to the reality of dharmas is related to the light of wisdom. From cessation of action and creation. The light of wisdom from cessation of action and creation is related to investigation 
through the wisdom of clever, decisive contemplation. Investigation through the wisdom of clever, decisive contemplation is related to skillful learning. Okay, yeah. This, this is obviously is a uh, structure. There's a pattern here. It goes like this, up at the top. It goes, E comes from D. D is related to C. C relies upon B, and B only comes from A. That's, that's how this pattern works. Um, let's look at the Chinese so we get a sense of, of all the components of this, because it's... It's, it's very funny what, what we come up with. Uh, it's surprising what the Bodhisattva is telling us. This is the Avatamsaka Sutra. It's about Bodhisattvas. These particular Bodhisattvas are what are on what's called a third ground. And there are ten grounds, ten stages of Bodhisattva's wisdom. This is number three. And it's, um, the Bodhisattva has uh, already established that he wants to help people get past pain and suffering. That's what he's mostly concerned with. And he, as the chapter opens, he identifies one major problem with things in the world around him, which is they fall apart. Everything in the world around him, says the Bodhisattva, everything, everything, is made up of other things. It's component world. And because everything in the world is made up of other things, when those other things come apart, because we have feelings, we have likes and dislikes, we attach to those things and then suffer when they don't last, when they break, when they come apart. So that's, what is that? That's the first noble truth. Essentially, this is a detailed extrapolation of the first noble truth of dukkha, which is often translated as suffering, but you could also probably more effectively say the truth of why things never hit that spot, the truth of why things don't satisfy. That's, that's what we're talking about here. The Bodhisattva says that's why, because we, we love these things and they break apart, and then it hurts. So he sees that, she sees that, and he says, so many people get confused about that or don't understand it in the first place and hurt. Because I'm related to those people, I want to find a way to make it hurt less to the point that I want to find a way to make it stop hurting entirely to the point that I want to take people to nirvana, not just people, but all beings, where it not only stops entirely, there's no, no self and no affliction to hurt at all. So that's what the Bodhisattva is about. And this chapter is telling us what he thinks and what he's going to do about it. So the Ten Grounds are very much like a instruction manual that you get with your lawnmower or your sewing machine. or your. People get sewing machines anymore? I don't know. If sewing machines are sold anymore. Probably, probably. Um, 
this the instructions that you get with your blender or when you get some appliance, your washing machine. When you even when you we've stopped getting instructions with our computers anymore. If you get an iPad, it just falls out of the box. There's there's one big button push here. That's the only instruction on the iPad. Uh, so we're kind of post doc file, but um, there was a time when everything, including the the classic of dysfunction, was the VCR, the uh, the machine that was supposed to help you program your TV for tapes, and there's thousands and millions of VCRs with that the 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 number blinking in the display, and it's always the wrong time. It's blinking and blinking, and to to get in there and change it requires you to dig into the doc file. And very few people, in my knowledge, were able able to conquer that doc file. The ten grounds are usable, explainable, um, functional, not dysfunctional doc files for fixing human lives. Not only human lives, but creatures' lives, all sentient creatures. And it's how-to. This is a how-to-do-it manual. So the Bodhisattva is, right in this paragraph tonight, he's telling us what he plans to do about it, how he looks at the pain, and how he's going to do something. So, the formula we've gotten is here tonight, he then thinks, Bodhisattva goes, aha, I'm determined to help them out take them all the way to nirvana, out of suffering, into nirvana. So here's what I'm going to do. He looks and he thinks, okay, E comes from D, D comes from C, C, B, B, A. So we're going to get from E to A. If you want to take beings across and bring them to nirvana, and I do, says the Bodhisattva, and that's a key. Those two words, not apart from, not separate from. In other words, related to. In other words, entails. That's a good English word. E entails D. So to get to D, you've got to go through E. You've got to go from E. If you want to get to E, you've got to go from D. If you want to get to D, the other way around. If you want to... The, if E is the goal, then D is the path. So E is the goal. What's the goal? I want to take beings to nirvana. So Buli, it's not apart from, in other words, it's connected to, it's, it's essential to get to D. So we want E, we've got to go through D. That's how the logic here goes. So that Buli occurs five times. Notice here, Buli, Buli, Buli. Puli, puli. Not apart from. Not cut, from, cut off from. That, that's kind of a pivotal word. And our earlier translation of this, the first time we went through this and published it, we always said, is not separate from, which I think is very clunky English. When a perfectly good positive way of saying it is entails or requires. Or what, what do we have here? Related to. You have to... This, this is the door. The buli means go through here. Not apart from means with, together with. All right? So, what is it? What are the two? We've got two things. Each time he's going from 
point, the, the farthest point, back and back and back and back and back. So the starting point is where we end. The last one in the list is the actual starting point. So what does he say? Bu li what wu zhang ai jie tuo zhi. Liberated wisdom without any obstacle. Liberated the wisdom or the wisdom of liberation without any obstacles. <coughs> what in the world would that be? Well, liberation means freedom. So if you want to take beings to nirvana, you have to have freedom that doesn't stop anywhere. No obstacle. Wu ai. That's the modifier of liberation. So liberation, freedom, complete freedom that doesn't stop anywhere is what takes beings across to nirvana. That's what they want to get. So freedom that doesn't stop anywhere. Wu ai jie Unobstructed, liberated wisdom is the, the, the way the Chinese gives us the grammar. Is not, is entails, is related to wu zhang ai, no obstruction, jie tuo, liberated zhi, wisdom. So, wisdom of freedom, wisdom of total freedom. How's that? That's kind of English. Wisdom, the, wisdom of, that is totally free. No blocks, no obstacles, no walls, no doors, no locks, no fences to this wisdom. So that's what you got to have if you want to get beings to nirvana. Okay, all right, well, let's figure that's okay. Hang that in, in our, put that on the board. And then suppose we want wisdom that is totally free. How do we get that? Well, we got to go to C. Okay, so what is C? C, wu zhang ai jie tuo zhi, the wisdom that is free of any obstacles, bu li, is related to, entails, yi chie fa ru shi jie, all dharmas like real awakening, is related to awakening to the reality of all dharmas. Okay, what is that? That sounds like Buddhist language. The, uh, the way I hear it spoken uh, in the, the Thai forest tradition a lot is things the way they are. The way things are. Ajahn Sumedho that's the way things are. How things really are. The nature of things. And of course when you say it that way that implies that why do you have to point that out? Because mostly we see things the way they're not. What does that mean? Well, we love this, and so our emotions color that. We hate that, and so our emotions color that. We don't see it the way they are. We, you know, somebody like the way kids love their teddy bears. Kids sometimes love their teddy bears for years and years, and the teddy bear is unrecognizable. He's got one button ear, one button eye left, and it's hanging by a thread. The ears are chewed off. It's threadbare. It's leaking, stuffing, and it's teddy, you know. It doesn't look like a teddy, but to the child who loved that teddy, it's, it's the sun and moon. It's the whole world. That's teddy. 
It's unrecognizable. It's a, it's a bunch of stuffing, you know, threadbare. But it's Teddy. And the child's love for her Teddy, his Teddy, uh, is completely sees that as the world's one and only best teddy bear of all time. And it functions that way. It doesn't look like that. We see things the way they're, they're not. We, we love and we hate. And we learn that this is true. We attach to truth. We learn that that is false. We attach to falseness. So seeing things the way they really are is not easy at all. And the Buddha says the Dharma, the teachings that he gives us, are the way things actually are, free of thought, free of language. What about things with names? How funny. The names are really not the way things are. You could think of currency. Banking, if you go to the bank and ask for your money, and it says on the bill, you know, uh, what does it say? Held in gold? What's the language on on a bill? It's supposed to be backed up by, we always said, I was growing up, gold in Fort Knox. Fort Knox was the place where the mint was. There there was gold behind those dollar bills. Well, if if you don't use cash anymore, you only use credit, then what do those numbers in space represent? Hard to know, isn't it? The Fed prints as much money as it wants. Is there real gold behind it? No, not. It's just digits, digital pixels on a screen zipping through the ether. So where's the real stuff? It's not the way things are. Okay? If you say... um, I love this thing, and then that, or I love this person, and that person turns his or her back on you and breaks your heart, and you don't love him or her anymore because you have a broken heart, then where is things as they are? Where do you find the, the ground of reality behind things? Well, that's what the Dharma is about, okay? And w- there's often a big awakening to that when we come to the Dharma. That's why people who hear the Dharma really, uh, if, they, if they apply it to their lives, can have this series of big aha moments when you realize it's just that. It's nothing more than that. It's not its name. It's not its appearance. It's just that. The, the first time you ever look through a microscope, you get this, I remember looking at uh, a drop of water through a microscope and being astounded at all this stuff in a drop of water. You know. And the microscopic world that the microscope revealed was this big aha, things as they are. It's not what I thought. My senses were reporting something to me that was inaccurate. So, it says, the, re- the awakening to the reality of all dharmas. So, how does that work in our formula here? If we want the unobstructed wisdom of liberation, we have to go through waking up to the reality of all things. In other words, what's that? Wisdom. Because our chapter so far has been giving us exactly that one, that, that experience where the Bodhisattva goes, wow, everything's made up of 
components. Right? Everything that I thought was solid and real turns out to be made up of other smaller things. It's not what I thought. <clears throat> so, when we can do that, when we actually see the way things are, then we can have unobstructed wisdom of liberation or the wisdom of liberation, freedom that doesn't stop anywhere. Our wisdom goes right through walls. Our wisdom goes through time and space. It's not obstructed by anything. We have wisdom that goes through language, wisdom that goes beyond the conscious mind's ability to categorize. Wow, that's real wisdom. That's what we have when, when, when we can see all things as they are and wake up to them bit by bit. Okay? So far, so good. That's D. Let's move on to C. How do you get to that? How do you get to that place of X-ray vision where you see past the surface to what things really are? Uh, we go to C. Just occurred to me, I looked at the Christmas tree and I thought, did, did anybody remember when you first found out that Santa Claus wasn't real? Is, is that... Was there, is there anybody in your family who is like coming to that realization this Christmas? Santa Claus is no longer the functional, you know. That's a hard one. Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Truth Fairy. In, you know, there's a process of growing. Did I pop a bubble for somebody here tonight? I, I apologize. If, if there's anybody. If, if Santa Claus is real, he's, he's real. If you think he is. <laughs> so there is that moment, and that's hard, you know, because I remember not wanting to know that it was my folks who left the gifts under the tree. I think I was 10 or 11, and that was hard to realize that it wasn't a jolly old elf you know, who came down the chimney. I had my stocking hung up by the chimney with care in the hope that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Ah, her kerchief and pa and his cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. So, yeah, and then at a certain point you go, don't tell me. I don't want to know. <laughs> I much prefer Santa Claus. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all the elves. What do you mean those presents are made in China by underpaid Chinese workers? Don't tell me that. So, Anyway, at a certain point you wake to the reality of dharmas, that's actually mom and dad who got me what I wanted and wrapped it up and were so thrilled to see the look on my face when I found the trike that I wanted or the slotted racing car set that I wanted or the guitar that I wanted. Famous Christmas has passed. Boy, oh boy. Remember them to this day. So, um, awaking to the reality of dharmas... Buli has to go through what? The light of wisdom from cessation of action and creation. Holy mackerel. What would that be? What is the, the light of wisdom from cessation of action and creation? Okay, it's a light. It's a wisdom light. It's a wisdom light that comes from stopping 
cessation, two things. What would it be? Hung, or xin in this case, and sheng. Wu sheng heng zhi. Wu sheng heng hui guang. All right, look at the Chinese. Bu li, we found the bu li. So awakening to the reality of all dharmas, bu li is not separated from, is, is together with wu xing, I believe it's xing, not hung. Wu xing, wu sheng heng. No doing, no bringing into being of doing wisdom light. So cessation of xing, action, and sheng heng, creation. What do you get from that? I get stillness. In other words, samadhi. Where it's a wisdom light, where does wisdom light come from? Wisdom light comes from your own mind, but you have to quiet it. If we sit still long enough, people report this sense of feeling light surrounding them or permeating their bodies, coming from their minds. It's not dark at a certain point. Whereas before, long time, you meditate, meditate, it's just dark in there. Nothing seems to, seems to be like a pit. At a certain point, light takes over. But that only happens when you're still in calm. Samadhi. There is a point. There is a point in your samadhi when you see, according to the later on in this very chapter, you see that things are neither created nor destroyed. All dharmas no longer arise. It's called patience when dharmas no longer arise. That's a state of samadhi. When that happens in your stillness, in your meditation, you see the nature of all dharmas. You wake up to the nature, the reality of all things, which is that they're made up of components that don't last long. And they have no self, and they're empty of identity. So, okay, so C is samadhi. Right? You could say D, that the one higher up, was wisdom. The the ability to see through the surface of things, because your wisdom is really keen, and you wake up to the reality of things, then you get that liberated wisdom light. Okay? So far, so good. So, the liberate that you want to take living beings across, you can, but you have to have unobstructed liberated light, liberated wisdom. Now that unobstructed liberated wisdom comes from awakening to the reality of all things, things the way they really are. That awakening to the things the way they really are comes from a wisdom light that reveals to you that the wisdom light that arises from not wuxing, wusheng not doing anything and not making anything. So you have to be very quiet to have that experience. Samadhi. It's a state of meditative stillness and purity. That's C. Still with me? Okay, now 
无恨无形无声恨慧光 that samadhi stillness where nothing there's no further doing and no creation 不离 comes from B. There's another component in this formula, right? It gets step by step. What is it? 不离禅善巧决定观察智 That's complex. Many pieces here. What is it? Let's go backwards. It's zhi. It's wisdom. It's guan cha zhi. It's contemplative wisdom. It's jueding, decisive, contemplative wisdom. It's shan qiao, skillful and clever, wholesome, skillful and clever. Chan diana, impali jana. Clever, skillful, wholesome, decisive, contemplative wisdom. Wow, that's a long list of criteria. All right. So B, if we want, if we want that samadhi light that comes from not doing and not making anything happen, from total stillness, we have to have dhyana's good, clever, decisive, contemplative wisdom. What what would that be?、Um, good, clever, decisive, contemplative wisdom, to my mind, as I was chewing on that, means movement. But what kind of movement is dhyana? So there's chan. That the first word in that is zen. That's that's your word zen. If you're if you Came from the world of Zen. It's the world. It's the word Chan right there. Buli Chan Shan Chao. So let's look at these pieces. So it's movement, but it's not running around. Okay, it's the Diana's good, clever, decisive, contemplative wisdom. So let's let's do our formula. It's wisdom. It's contemplative wisdom. It's decisive contemplative wisdom. It's good and clever, decisive contemplative wisdom of the states of dhyana, of chan. So, what I get from that is the first word being dhyana. It means you're a meditator. You you do chan, so you meditate, and you can take your meditation out on the road with you, so that as situations arise, you use. Wholesome, meaning based on virtue. There are, there are parameters. You're not killing. You're not stealing. You're not lustful. You're not devious. You're not intoxicated. Let's say, all right. You don't kill, steal, lust. You don't you do the four evils of speech and the three evils of the mind. That's the wholesome part. Chao means you can respond. So you're you're using virtue, but as stuff arises. You're clever. You're quick. You're nimble. You can respond. You're not dogmatic. You're not stuck. Okay, that's the chow. Chow here is, it means cool, nifty. That's ingenious. Chow is ingenious. So, it's based on your meditation, but it's not what we had before, which was. Stillness, where nothing moves, nothing is created. That's deep samadhi. This is the wisdom that 
the, I'm sorry, this is the movement that comes from your meditation, but it's not yet the samadhi of C. This is B, which is wholesome and clever, decisive contemplation. You see something and you know right from wrong as you look at it. You're responding to situations. You can tell it's decisive. I know this is the right path. This I'm going to retreat from. That I'm going to advance on. Here I'm going to stand still. Because you have decisive contemplative wisdom that is wholesome, clever, and based on your meditation. Does that make sense? It's movement. It's out in the world. It's on the road. Why? Because of A. Do you want to get to that state where you can pretty much figure out what's going on around you? You can respond. You're using kindness in all cases. That, in turn, comes from what? Four characters. This is A. This is where we start. And this is kind of the payoff of this whole formula. Shan chao duo one. Four words. Good, clever learning. Skillful, ingenious learning. Literally, much hearing. Because duo one, one is, means to listen. So, study is the source that leads you through step B, through step C, through step D, all the way to step E, which is the way that you get what you want, which is if you want to take living beings across so that they can rest in nirvana, comma, E-D-C-B-A. So the key to this is get out there and listen to the Dharma. That's what the Bodhisattva decides. That's his method. That's her method. This whole process is designed to indicate what our third stage Bodhisattva is doing. Now, that's a key to the next whole section that we're going to be with for weeks now. Because our Bodhisattva in the third ground launches himself or herself on a quest for Dharma at this point. Okay? What was the setup? The setup was the Bodhisattva looked at the world around him and said, gee whiz, it's totally made up of other pieces. The world is, remember those, those long paragraphs? It's unreliable. It passes away in an instant. It lets you down. It breaks up. It can't be trusted. It's not... It's not sturdy. doesn't last. And then, then the Bodhisattva said, what? But living beings are so confused, they don't look for the Dharma, they only attach to the stuff that breaks up. I feel pity for them. I feel empathy. Remember? He, there was this long section where the Bodhisattva feels this empathetic connection with beings. So then the next thing that happened was he said, boy, I've got to save them. I'm going to, I don't care how hard, I'm going to do it. I have to save them, he said. So that was a major turning point in the third round. He said, I've got to find a way to save them. I'm going to do it. This is what he 
came up with, which is what? Listen to the Dharma. Duo one, shanchya, skillful listening to the Dharma. Listen really well. Use your, use your intellect. Be critical. Compare, reject, test it, learn. Now, it's important to say here, this doesn't mean necessarily read a lot of books. It doesn't necessarily mean learn a lot of languages. Not necessarily, because Do One here, understand that in the Buddha's Sangha, Many, 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 in fact, probably the great majority had never attended a single day of school. There wasn't such a thing. If you, if you wanted to actually find a school, there were several. There were famous uh, monastic universities in India. Uh, Prince Siddhartha went to one, and many of the stories in the Jatakas talked about Takakshila, uh, and Nalanda, these monasteries. But those were for, talk about the 1%, those are probably for the 0.1% of the families who could afford to send a child away from the farm to go study. How much resources, how rich did the family have to be to be able to take a kid out of the paddies and send them to school? Very few. Education was not universal. Education was for the elite, for the very few. And mostly, certainly, I'm not as, as knowledgeable about India, but in China, what most people did was they hired a tutor. Scholars who had been through the process and maybe didn't become government civil servants would often become tutors. And if you failed your exams, but you still got to a certain point, you were qualified to attach yourself to a rich family and teach the children of that family or the extended family or the neighborhood. Sometimes a scholar would just set up a school and, and the, the local kids who could afford to bring, you know, strips of dried meat was often your tuition. They would come and study, learn how to take up a mulpi, a writing brush, and they would learn er, and then they would learn or not. You know, if it was Cantonese, it was they would learn whatever the local language was. But the tutor, and you'd pay them, families would hire a tutor, and whatever the kids learned, that was, that was school. And then they would go off to tests and the, that was the way the Chinese set this up, this imperial examinations going from the, the local to the regional to the state to the, to the bigger regional to the national. And uh, you had to be pretty wealthy to be able to afford to, to pull a kid off, off the plow, you know, off the rice, rice planting. So um, that was where... That was most people didn't go to school. Why is the Buddha saying Shan Chao Duo Wen? Because learning is not synonymous with printed language and texts. It can be, but it's not limited to that. What does the Buddha mean where he says study? Skillful study. What do we translate it? 
Investigation through the wisdom of clever, decisive contemplation is related to skillful learning. Okay? So, the key to this whole EDCBA is listen. one, And remember what you hear. Listen. But shan chao one, Cleverly listen. Listen cleverly. We, um, my generation, and there are some of us in the room, um, was the first TV generation. And my mother's generation was the first radio generation, where almost every family had a, a radio. And entertainment, my mother's generation, was gathering around the radio, the crystal set, and listening to Walter Winchell read the news, and listening to The Lone Ranger, all these different uh, radio programs, Amos and Andy. And yes, remember those? And uh, you don't have to tell me, that's right. You don't have to tell us how old we are. So my generation was the first one to where most families had a television. And the television had this octagonal screen sometimes, totally, totally black and white. And there were four or five programs. Not channels, programs. And you would wait for your program to come on. Uh, The Hallmark Hall of Fame. And um, Amos and Andy. And the what, what was brought to you by Reynolds Aluminum was, that was the Hallmark Hall of Fame, Reynolds Aluminum. Um, there was uh, Kukla, Fran, and Ali. It was a puppet show. And come, uh, living in Detroit, I got to watch the original Soupy Sales, who later went national. Then uh, baseball. Baseball was, was the national sport, not football, not basketball. And you'd get to watch baseball games. And the reason I'm telling you this is... Shan Chao Duowen, skillful learning, is something that the human brain, is something that the, the, the mammal's brain craves. We, we absorb information. Monkey see, monkey do is how we learn. And whatever is presented to our six senses at a certain age, we suck up like a sponge sucks up water. You can't stop kids from learning. The question is, what do we present to our sponge-like intelligence? In my generation, it was commercials. I believe my generation, which was, I was born in 49, and we got our first TV in like 56 or something like that. And they were available, and every every living room had one. We, I was exposed to commercial messages because I was watching a television. First time that these things were put on on a national scale for everybody to watch at once. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. I can sing you six beer commercial jingles and five tire Ads. Why? Because I sucked them up. That's and why? one. I learned what was available to learn. I was there going, teach me. 
right? My goodness. Blatt's beer tastes great wherever you go. Smoother and fresher, less filling, that's clear. Blatt's is Milwaukee's finest beer. Stroh's, Bud. If you lived in the West, it was Coors, because it came from Colorado. We didn't get Coors. It didn't go past the Mississippi. We got Miller High Life. And I could tell you the difference between B.F. Goodrich, Goodyear, Pirelli, uh, National Royal, and what else? There were no Japanese tires at that point. None. Just all just came rolling right out of the TV, and I'm watching and going, print, 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 you know, chucking it in, and I remember it to this day. Brush up, brush up, brush up, get the new Ipana with the brand new flavor. It's dandy for your knee. Bucky Beaver, advertising Ipana toothpaste. Is Ipana still a brand? Did they go away? I don't know. So all of this, hours and hours and hours. I didn't believe it until I sat my first Zazen Seshin in Kyoto and Antaiji and sat still eight hours a day for seven days in silence and had it all regurgitate back. Those tapes just played back and back and back. And I'm sitting there thinking, is this supposed to be happening? That all these TV ads or jingles are coming out of my brain? It's like, bleh. Coming back one unstoppable, just tape after tape after tape. Very humbling to realize that I had unaware shant not bu shan bu shan I had unskillfully, uncritically sucked up all that. So there is an age, it's probably from in the womb until about puberty, where kids just suck in whatever we present them. So in China, they had this thing called Tai Jiao, which is womb education. In other words, give the child things to absorb while they're still in the womb. (laughs) No wonder if you're Chinese, you've got to get a 4.6 to get into Stanford. Four point isn't enough, right? Chinese kids uh, and, and... the Chinese method in Vietnam and Japan and Korea is teach the kids. Education is highly valued. So you start with the baby, before the baby breathes, you're there giving that kid information, which hopefully they will put together into knowledge, which may come together as wisdom. So it's data to information, information to knowledge, you hope, knowledge possibly to wisdom. So, by golly, the Bodhisattva says, Shan Chao Duo Wan. Skillful learning is the key to taking living beings to nirvana. Okay, well, what kind of learning did you do? What kind of learning are we doing right now? Does it ever stop? Right? You live a long life and you learn your whole life long. <clears throat> That's the, the theory. The unobstructed see. So I, I wrote this out. To take living beings across to nirvana is the second half of the Bodhi resolve. 
First half is, I want to become a Buddha. I can, I will. But I'm going to do that by taking living beings across. So, part two of the Bodhi Resolve comes from seeing an unobstructed path to liberation. This path to liberation requires me to see through the surface into how things arise from conditions. In other words, the first noble truth. That kind of seeing through the surface into conditions comes from stillness of samadhi, where things neither arise nor move. That stillness of samadhi comes from watching things work in action while you meditate or while you, while you are still in your meditation. That's the, the B is the hard one. That dhyana, how does it go? The light of wis- uh, wisdom of clever decide- wisdom through <laughs> investigation through the wisdom of clever decisive contemplation. Watching in action comes from learning dharma. So decisive, wholesome, clever contemplation. Wisdom comes from hearing the Dharma. So if you don't hear the Dharma, if you don't shan chao do, and if you don't hear a lot, you won't be able to be decisive. You, it won't be wholesome as you look at the things around you. If you don't have that decisive wisdom, you won't get still. If you don't have stillness, you won't have unobstructed, liberated wisdom you won't be able to take beings across to nirvana. Okay? So you can run the whole process back. This is what this is. The sutra has given us not one thought in the bodhisattva's mind, but a string of thoughts. This is the logic of the bodhisattva's wisdom going through the mind. Okay? So, cool to see how this is a real formula. You want to get to E, go from, go to D. You want to get to D, you, have to, you want to get to D, you got to go through C. You want to get to C, you got to start at B. But B has a starting place, which is A, and that A is Shan Chao Duo Wen, good, clever, much hearing. In other words, learning, skillful learning. All right, I beat that one to death. You got kind of got that one. You want. Right. But they don't request it on abstractive wisdom or liberation. They don't request the awakening to the What's that they don't re require? Require. Okay. Uh-huh. They don't okay. learn. Okay. And they just jump to the last step. They have skilled learning. But what kind of practitioners or 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 cultivators will they become? On the contrary, if 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 this if this being really want to take me to Nirvana, and he or she do this, do that, do this, do that, but without a skill, a skillful learning, and what kind of practitioner he or she will become? Okay. Um, I'll recast your question in terms of a doctor. Let's say. If you want to cure somebody's illness, really do it. 
if you someone you care about, let's say someone you care about has uh, a what's it called an aneurysm. There's a a blood a bubble in the uh, blood a, a broken blood vessel in the brain, and you know that there is a procedure that can kill. You know you can go in there operate. Cut it out, and they'll recover. Their brain won't be damaged. Okay, that's your goal. You want to operate on the person and save their life, okay? To get there requires a lot of knowledge, many steps. So the, the basic would be uh, learn medicine, okay? So if you say to some... If the hypothetical person you proposed... He says, I want to operate and save this person's life, but they miss steps one, two, three, four. Chances are they're going to kill the patient. They won't get the result. Right? So it's clear that um, there aren't many really effective teachers around. Because why? Mostly we're in too much of a hurry. We don't have patience. We, we can't stick it out. Um, how, if we were to take this process here that the sutra gives us and put, uh, you know, equals how many years to step A, equals how many years to step B, it's a long time to get to, to step E, to be able to really cross people over. What does the bodhisattva, hang on to your question there, what does the bodhisattva have to do if he wants to take somebody across the nirvana? Essentially what that means is that there will be a moment when that living being can hear, is like open to hearing the right piece of information that's going to, if I use the analogy, open the lock of their wisdom. The bodhisattva has to be there to say exactly the right thing or do exactly the right thing at the right moment. So that being goes, whoa, I understand, you know, now I get it. So mostly taking beings across to nirvana still comes down to teacher to student, as I understand it. I mean, in my experience, very few crossings over happen without the teachers knowing exactly when and what to say. Knowing what to say and when to say it and how to say it. If that is there, people wake up. So that's the doctor who knows exactly how to, you know, pull the broken blood vessel out and save a life. How many teachers are there? Have you met? Maybe none, you know. I believe they're out there, and I think I've met a few, but not many. Because mostly people don't do this A, B, C, D, E, and then be able to do it. So does does that make sense? Can't hear. Speak up, please. How about other sutras that I present in the Buddha world? Is it the same thing, but different words differently? Connie, I actually didn't hear what you said. Your voice is too quiet. Um, Other sutras in the Buddhist world, is it the same method, but words differently? There are lots of methods, but this is the method on the third ground of the ten grounds. So... Yeah, I, like every 
I would say every sutra um, that talks about the bodhisattvas resolve will give you an, another method. This is not the only method. This is a good one. And the interesting thing is it's so sequential. It's like go to A, go to B, go to, you know. So, yeah, there are lots and lots and lots of methods. And as they say, 84,000 dharma doors is our, that's our, you know, a, a, a name that you hear a lot. It's not that there's not 85,000 or 83,999. 84,000 just means many, many. So, if, and people would ask our teacher, how many? And he would say, there, <coughs> excuse me, there are as many, there are as many methods as there are afflicted beings who need taking across. And each one can be different. But the one thing you could say is this process is, is a good process, which starts with learning. Now, if, you, if we can keep our focus on this, this, awa- this awareness is going to be developed because our bodhisattva is going to go, yeah, skillful learning. I want to learn. And it's going to take us through his development. So hang on to your question. and This is going to go... You'll, you'll see how this works. Did I see a hand over here? Okay, good questions. Alice. Yeah, I, I, so Alice's question was about the order, just actually what it says here. Um, I, I looked at this a long time before it, it kind of suggested the structure. And all I'm doing is reporting what I'm, what I'm seeing. If anybody can improve on this or clarify it, please do. What I see this is talking about is states of the bodhisattva's meditation, essentially. Because I know that in um, when uh, I was bowing uh, outside for, for a long time, um, Master Hua, at one point, not at first, but at one point said, when, you, when your bowing starts to get effective, movement and stillness will be one, he said. Dong jing yi ru. Movement and stillness will be one suchness, he said, for you. One ru, whatever ru is. Suchness is a funny English word. Right? Movement and stillness will merge and become one reality. Dong jing yi ru. When your bowing gets good, he said. Now, I would propose that it never did. <laughs> I don't think I ever got to the place where bowing and not bowing was one continuum. But what I, understood, what I appreciated from that teaching was the idea that um, those are two different ways of, they're two different sides of the same thing. 
so that when bowing, you know, there's no, this is not stillness, doing this. But then again, if my mind is quiet, really quiet, and I'm not thinking about lunch, and I'm not thinking about the weather, and I'm not thinking about if anybody's watching to notice that I'm a really dramatic, handsome Buddhist monk out here on the highway, you know, worthy of an interview at least, or a photograph, you know. I'm just bowing, and I'm actually focused on the Dharma or the Triple Jewel. Then there's no difference between standing, moving. And if, if when you're doing this, when you're completely still, you're integrating the Dharma wheel, you know, you're integrating your breathing and your heartbeat, and there's, there's real movement that doesn't obstruct the stillness. So that's, you know, I saw at Shifu's teaching, Dong Jing Iru, as two phases, kind of the palm of the hand and the back of the hand, like that. I see that mirrored here in our passage. The very same thing here, which is what? Let's say, see um, awakening, uh, the light of wisdom from cessation of action and creation strikes me as stillness. Okay, what is it? Wu xing, no movement. Wu sheng heng, no creation. So that's a state of stillness where you actually uh, see that things neither arise nor fall. That's a state of, of dhyana. That's a state of samadhi. Okay, so that I think is the stillness part. But the investigation through the wisdom of clever, decisive contemplation, is really moving. That, that's not stillness, to my mind. So I thought, oh, maybe that's the duality he's talking about. These are all phases that the bodhisattva goes through in his or her meditation to get to what? This liberated wisdom that has no door, no, no fence to it. Nothing stops this liberated wisdom. That's a high state, right? That's self is gone, you know. So does that make sense, Alice? This is this is these are all internal experiences that will happen to a meditator as, as he or she progresses slowly through the cultivation of the Dharma that they have Shantyadur that they've learned. I think the our A skillful learning is still crude and raw. What is that? We hear that with our six senses. That's pre-samadhi. There's no, still, there's no samadhi in skillful learning. It's you got to put it in your ear, put it in your eye, put it in your body, put it in your tongue. You know, you got to go walk to get that. You have to really walk to get that skillful learning. But when you do, once you do, then you can put it to, to a test, investigate through the wisdom of clever, decisive contemplation. You say, oh, yeah, well, they said, you know, the Eightfold Path. Let me try that. First, you learn wise understanding, Eightfold Path. Then you learn wise aspiration. Eightfold, yeah, I see that. Oh, the five roots, the five, every time I'm kind and compassionate, things work out. Oh, giving leads to happiness. That's true, you know. So step B is you take that dharma that you've learned out on the road with you and you investigate and you there's clever decisive contemplation 
And as those principles that you apply start to work for you, you can enter samadhi bit by bit. Because that's basically, B is precepts. Let's do it that way. A is raw, st- raw learning. B is precepts. C is samadhi. D is wisdom. E is the result of that. Okay? So I think you can actually do that. Sheila Samadhi Prajna is represented here. Okay? That's, I think that, that's what I see here. So there, it's an internal, gradual deepening of the Bodhisattva's own inner experience that's happening here. But it's done in this very interesting kind of, you know, if you want to get to E, you've got to go to D. You want to get to D, C, C to B, B to A. So first you hear the Dharma, then you take the precepts, practice them, go out and work with them. That's the wholesome part. Contemplate, investigate through wholesomeness. Then samadhi results. From samadhi you get this, this light of wisdom, and that light of wisdom bit by bit it wipes away the self, and you, you have unobstructed wisdom. Then, what, what, it's not, what it doesn't say is, you still have to apply this to teach living beings. You still have to go come up with the right thing to say at the right time, but when you have this unobstructed wisdom light, you know what it is. Then you see how living beings are so obtuse because they don't listen to what you say. It's the right medicine and they refuse to take it. Ooh. It ain't easy being a shurfu, I think. Because you teach them and they turn their back on it. We do. All right. Good questions? More I think that's kind of the, the code here, is Shila Samadhi Jie Dinghui is happening in this paragraph. Okay, middle paragraph. Pusa ru shi guan cha liao zhi yi, pei yu zheng fa qin qiu xiu xi, ri ye wei yuan wen fa xi fa, le fa yi fa, sui fa, jie fa, shun fa, dao fa, zhu fa, xing fa. After the Bodhisattva has contemplated and thoroughly understood in this way, she increases her diligent search for the proper Dharma and its practice. By day and night, she wishes only to hear the Dharma, delight in the Dharma, enjoy the Dharma, rely upon the Dharma, follow the Dharma, understand the Dharma, accord with the Dharma, reach the Dharma, stay in the Dharma, and cultivate the Dharma. There you go. All right. So, this is the next step. The Bodhisattva says, yes, there is a way to help. I want to do that. I've noticed that when I speak the Dharma for people who care about me and who listen to what I say, things get better. They lose their bad temper. They start to notice their bad habits and change them. They actually... uh, change their diet, change their sleep patterns, change, clean up their language. They start to get happy a lot. They practice giving. They become kinder. And things get better and better and better and better and better. They need less stuff and get happier with the same old stuff because they're more content to begin with. Their relationships improve and they... Stop complaining a lot. You know, there's just this is, you know, character changes once people hear the Dharma and put it into practice. The Bodhisattva sees that and says, Boy, oh boy, this is really working. It's really working. And 
the more it works, the more they want to learn it. Because finally, there's something genuine. There's something... It's, it's not... You don't have to be so cynical all the time. You don't have to be depressed. Because you realize this actually makes a difference. And so, notice the word fa happens here a whole bunch. So, what is it? Bodhisattva in this way contemplates, and having done so, pei yu fa. He increases his diligent, he, he doubles in proper dharma, diligent seeking cultivation practice. So, the bodhisattva puts his or her heart into the practice of the dharma. And you can see when some, this happens to people. I've, I've, I've seen this. When uh, often it's a, uh, it's a session, like a, the, where tomorrow is the beginning of the, the uh, Amitabha session at CTDB. Tonight is the tying of the boundaries and tomorrow is the first date. And if somebody has been working daily before the session with just something like cleaning up their language just not using profanity just, you know deciding not to do that stepping away from that flow of four letter words and it's hard to do that you have to really watch you have to step away and make a decision and if you have friends who use the F word in every sentence then you've got to kind of you're going to be different for a while and, and you just don't take part. And if they notice, sometimes it's hard because they're like, no, you, you got an attitude because you're not, you're different. Anything that's different gets noticed. So you got to be strong once you make a decision. You got to be strong and say, no, I'm not going to do it. And if you do that, anything, it could be becoming, you know, eating less meat, for example, or deciding that you're going to stop milk uh, dairy products, or you're going to, um, for example, um, live with less. Use it up, wear it out, make it do, do without. You're not gonna. You're gonna. Not that you have to stop going shopping, but you're not. You're gonna discipline your shopping urge to to see if you can't give as much as you get in from your closet. Shoes, clothes. Toys, tools, whatever. So anything, any kind of daily, everyday cultivation that you do, when the session shows up, suddenly you see how this makes a difference. All that daily stuff makes a difference. Makes a difference. It's, it's different now. And it's like a, it's a snowballing effect. And uh, there's this kind of double your money kind of thing happening in the, in the session. Why? Because there are people with you. You're in a community of cultivators. And because there's um, energy to be quieter, there's not any opportunity to scatter, to leak out sideways, you know, so sessions are times when people get this experience of this is actually working. It's actually 
making a difference in my body, mouth, and mind. That's, and when that happens, people come away from a session with this flavor. Like, yes. Sometimes you don't even notice it at the moment, but once you get back into the habits, once you get back into the whirl, into the mix, suddenly it's like, oh, things are different now. That's, that can happen. And uh, other times it's, it's not. Other times it's just kind of the hard work. But the, this word appears how many times? Day and night, literally, day and night, only wants to hear the Dharma. How many Dharmas are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's the Avatamsaka Sutra. Of course there are ten. Ten Dharmas. And the, the verbs are terrific. Hear them, delight, hear it, delight in it, enjoy it, count on it, follow it, understand it, accord with it, reach it, get to the Dharma, get there, dwell in it, like move into it, live into it, and then the last one, practice it. That's what the Bodhisattva really says. Because what else is there? After you've done this, Everything else seems really thin. Really thin. For example, um, smoking, people tell me, I, I smoked only, you know, sporadically as a kid to impress the, the tough guys in seventh grade. I was not a dedicated camel smoker and but I faked it and tucked my pack under my t-shirt sleeve as was required in high school and I clicked my heels I got heel plates put on my heel turned my collar up I had the uniform but the smoking part was really nasty I just didn't like smoking tobacco tobacco smoke was not, you know, it just it, it, it stunk and I knew it and I didn't want to get used to it and you have to kind of, you know my first drinks of alcohol too were the same, it's like oh, fire water, this is supposed to be fun <laughs> yeah, yeah, have another one yeah, I like, uh, you know Johnny Walker, yeah. Black Label yeah so those habits were, if you get through that, that door of accustomed to, if you habituate to what the Chinese call du, poisons, like that, then if you stop for a while and go back, suddenly it's, it's harder to put up with the nastiness of cigarette smoke, alcohol, other kinds of poisons. Because why? There, once the illusion, once you lose the, the other benefits, coolness, popularity, the identity of consuming, the image, all of those benefits that come with habits like that, if those go away, suppose you change your environment, and then you leave the, the 
place where you are learning to change and fall back into the habit, sometimes that is such a shocker that you could have done that. People tell me that after they give up uh, red meat, for example, suppose you decide that you just you can't afford steak. No, especially not what steakhouses give you, this huge, honking chunk of bloody meat, right? Uh, if you have pulled away from that for a while to the point where your, your actual digestive chemicals are different, and then somebody, for some reason, maybe you go back home and mom gives you what you love, you know, roast beef, and you saw through some of that flesh and stick it, it's like people say it's just gag you. I, how could I have swallowed that? Because you actually it's, can't choke it down. Now, that takes some actual changing of the chemicals because we learned from uh, watching uh, Supersize Me. Uh, remember that film where uh, Ryan, um, what's his name? Um, does eats nothing but McDonald's food for one month, including water. Nothing passes his lips that did not come from McDonald's, and he has to get one of everything on the menu at at least once. And if they ask him, shall I supersize that for you, he says yes. Those are his rules. So he eats three meals a day from McDonald's, and there's a point where he's building up where his body, he he vomits it because... His body is going, don't put this in me. But because he's testing what it's like to eat only McDonald's food, he gets to a point where he goes through a door and his body starts to crave it. And he feels bad when he's not eating. And the only time he gets over the feeling bad is when he's actually ingesting that stuff and he gets a high and then it crashes and he's got to eat some more. Remember? In that, there's that moment where the addictive contents of that food hook his, his receptors. And it's true. And the dopamine is coming out of his brain as he puts that in there. And that's, that's a darker side of fast food. But um, the doctors who I hang out with will say that that is absolutely deliberate on the part of fast food Components that they're, they hope to get you addicted to the fat and the sugar and the salt. Those are basically what fast food is. It's sugar, salt, fat. And the body can. And once he was through that, he needed the, the food. And then when he stopped it at the end of the month, it, well, it took months to, to get back, to kick the fast food, salt, sugar, and fat. Another story. But, so... The Bodhisattva goes, it's the Dharma that's working. It's this insight that the Buddha had about methods that, for my money, are deeply coded in our deepest mind. I think Dharma simply means methods of practice that accord with the Tao, with the way things actually are, that once we put our mind in that form, in that mold, in that template, we take that shape. And something very deep goes, ah, yeah, I remember that. That feels right. 
That's why it's called zheng fa, right? Zheng means the right shape, square right on, inherent trueness. And when we do it, and it takes getting used to, you have to actually hold it to your plasm, to your body, mouth, and mind, to those chemicals. But when we do, if we do it regularly, and we, what? Delight in the Dharma, enjoy the Dharma, rely on the Dharma, follow it, understand it, accord it, reach it, stay in it, and cultivate it, something transforms, and we go, yes. And what do we lose? We lose the view of self. We lose affliction. We lose ignorance. We lose desire. We lose opinions. And all that stuff happily vanishes in the light of wisdom that comes from the Dharma. So, th- we've got, we've taken ne- our next step into the text, and the Bodhisattva at this point really gets into it, and it goes on to describe how there's nothing that he prefers than the Dharma. There's nothing he won't let go of in order to to get more of it and to realize it and to put it into practice and to make it his or hers. Because he sees that this is more valuable than any possession, any treasure, any, any insight he's ever had. Hauba. All right. Comments, questions? Stay tuned next week. This is getting good. Yes, Phil. Not gang members, movie stars. Also, yeah. Phil's comment was he, he's thinking about tattoos. Once you decide that you're no longer in the gang or it's no longer hip. Yeah, how painful it is. It's that hard to, to uh, erase that identity. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's painful. So, uh, time to dedicate the merit and please send that merit out where you would like we went through an eclipse this morning 6am it was visible just before it went down watch the eclipses are strange how the, the moon just gets slowly eaten by the shadow of the earth seems like we made it through without any major disasters so far today but eclipses especially full moon eclipses are often accompanied by uh, quirks by adjustments uh, sudden and things collide and things shake and, and nothing so far I think we've made it through so the uh, dedication energy the merit that you want to send out is 
certainly yours to, to send as far as you can. Oh, 